0: What is a disciple? This is the second message in an eight week series about what it means to be a disciple, uh, an apprentice of Jesus Christ, based on scripture, of course, uh, drawing out eight qualities that the pastoral and council leadership team prayerfully formulated uh, last year, actually, on a leadership day. What is a disciple? It's someone who cares a lot about their character over time, their character aligning more and more with that of Jesus Christ. For all of us, this is a lifelong process. And it, it, it likely seems daunting. It, it does to me. But Jesus would not call us to this unless he knew it was possible, that, the, that we could continually grow in his character. He's he's fully committed to helping us in this. As a matter of fact, he's all in, and and we need to be as well. But God is all in for us to be renewed in the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. New Testament writer, the Apostle Paul, expressed the desire from his own shepherd's heart in Galatians 4.19, where he just said, until Christ is formed in you. He was all in as well. Uh, un- until Christ is formed in you. It's quite a statement. Any of you with young kids know that they often imitate you, right? Uh, and that can be a little unnerving, um, when, especially when we hear or see some things reflected back to us that, hmm, where'd they learn that, you know? Uh, when Brennan was uh, about three years old, Pastor Brennan is our is our son, for those who don't know, he was sitting on my lap in the driver's seat of our vehicle, and we were parked, uh, engine off, waiting for his mom, Miriam, to come back from wherever she was. And so Brennan's pretending to drive, and he's really into it. And I mean, I'm enjoying watching him on his imaginary drive uh, when someone cut us off, apparently, because Brennan suddenly laid on the horn and and, and pointed his finger and yelled, Hey, you! Uh, kind of shocked me a little bit. M- my conclusion was that he must have been driving with his mother recently. Uh, <laughs> that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. There's an old Phillips, Craig, and Dean song called, I Want to Be Just Like You, where the dad is talking to God and says, Lord, in the song, the lyrics, Lord, I want to be just like you because he wants to be like me. I want to be a holy example for his innocent eyes to see. Help me be a living Bible, Lord, that my little boy can read. I want to be just like you because he wants to be like me. Powerful song. And as Christian parents, we understand what it means to have little eyes watching us and calling us out sometimes, maybe even. We also need to keep in mind that if we profess to be Christ followers, people watch our lives. And so displaying the character of Jesus through our speech and actions is an important part of our our witness for Christ in the world. And of course, it honors and pleases our Heavenly Father. Jesus came to show us the character of God and and to be an example for us um, of, of how He wants us to live in this broken world. And if you've been a Christ follower for any length of time, you know this already, that until we get to heaven, whenever that is, this struggle, I could call it, of growing in godly character will be our experience. And so the important starting place for this growth process to happen is understanding that our sinful nature, the Bible says we have one, all of us, we're born with one. This sinful nature needs to be crucified. It's a strong word. It's a graphic word. Might be a shocking word to some. But that's New Testament terminology right out of Galatians 2.20 where Paul said, "I, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Galatians 2.20, look it up. Christ's character cannot be cultivated in me if I don't make the daily commitment to to not gratify my flesh, as the Bible calls it, or or to not gratify my, my sinful nature and what it wants to do. As Christ followers, an important first step in gaining traction in becoming more like Jesus is what the New Testament refers to as putting off our old self, that old nature, that sinful nature. The same author, Paul, different church body that he's writing to in Ephesians 4. He says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its uh, deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. We don't have time. There's just so much in that, in those three verses, and encourage you to, to read and, and prayerfully reflect on Ephesians 4, 22 to 24. Paul has some other good words of direction for us in back to his letter to the Galatian believers in Galatians 5. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit of God, right? And the Spirit, what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict, Paul says. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. Because as a Christ follower, you want, you want to please God. You have that desire, no doubt. Once again, Paul is honest that this can be a real struggle, even for the disciple who genuinely wants to speak, live, and act, and think like Jesus. And we'll only grow that direction as we learn what it is to live by The Spirit, verse 16, is how Paul phrases it. Living by the Spirit. New King James puts it, walking in the Spirit, capital S, again, referring to the Spirit of God. And this is tied in very closely with uh, what Joel shared so well last Sunday out of John 15, where Jesus talked about abiding in Him. Moment by moment, step by step. And so go to Eaglemont YouTube channel and listen to that good message if you missed it. The Holy Spirit leads Paul in writing to the Galatian believers, basically saying, if you want to be an apprentice of Jesus, we've got to live and learn what it is to live in the Spirit. In other words, by His power and His enablement, choosing to believe that, that His power, God's power, that created everything we see and everything we can't see, that power is available to us in this aim of growing to be like Christ. And for us to commit to not uh, default to our normal sinful human way of thinking, speaking, or acting. God says, my spirit in you, my spirit in you can reprogram your default actions and reactions. And my friend, that will only happen in conjunction with consistent and open-hearted engagement with the word of God every day. It, it, it won't happen without that. It just, it just won't. That's why we put forward the 3 by 5 challenge this year. Uh, go to eaglemont.info to learn more about that. Walking in the Spirit is, simply put, is, is, is yielding moment by moment to what God's Spirit desires me to do, to say, or think. And, and what we fill our minds with is so important here because every action that we do has its germination or its, its starting place in our mind. And, and, and there's no way we can know what God's desire is for us without a, filling our minds and our hearts with, a, with a no, the knowledge of God's Word. You know as well as I do that life is filled with choices of, of, of doing or saying what my sinful nature wants or, or doing or saying what honors God daily, many moments of each day, likely, that that choice, that decision that we have. The life of the disciple is is learning to defer to how the Holy Spirit wants me to act, speak, or react in a moment. And if we do that consistently with our commitment and the Spirit's enablement, we will find ourselves increasingly not gratifying the sinful desires, but we'll gradually see the development of Christ-like character in our lives. Many of you know this and have experienced this in your journey as a disciple. You, you, you know it's not been easy, but as you, as you look back, you see unmistakable growth in your character, and that's, that's good to do once in a while, to reflect back. It's part of why journaling is helpful. In Martin Luther's commentary on Galatians, he wrote this succinct statement. These two, he calls them leaders. Both are potential leaders in our life. Our flesh, our sinful nature, Holy Spirit of God. These two leaders, he said it, the flesh and the spirit are bitter opponents. He's, he's echoing what the Apostle Paul said uh, that we read a moment ago. And it's true. It, it can be a battle. Any one of us who care about growing in Christ-like character have experienced this. It's the very struggle, again, that Paul himself so candidly talked about from his own experience. Romans 7, I do not understand what I do, he says. Have you ever felt like that? Oh, you know, He's and you can hear the frustration. You can hear, you can sense the cringe um, in his words here. He, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Jerry Bridges, author of pursuit of holiness uses an illustration from warfare to help us understand this. He talks about um, a certain country, and he, he says it can be, can be any country that has competing factions fighting for control. He says eventually one side wins the war and assumes control of that country's, of, you know, the nation's government, but the losing side doesn't stop fighting. They, they simply change their tactics to guerrilla warfare and, and continue to fight in a subversive and, and certainly a destabilizing way. He says it's it's similar in the, in our Christian life. Satan's been defeated, for sure, and the reign of sin is overthrown by what Jesus did on the cross, but it's like our sinful nature resorts to a kind of guerrilla warfare, spiritual warfare, to, to keep us enticed and to keep us sinning. Thus, the struggle, even when even when we genuinely, deeply want to follow Jesus fully and faithfully. Now don't think that Paul is resigning himself to defeat. No way, and we shouldn't either. He's he's simply pointing out that we cannot win this battle in our own strength or by by our own willpower. And I remind you again that that God is all in for you in this, to help you, to help us all as Christ followers grow Christ-like character in our lives. And there's a target, a helpful target. It's referred to as the fruit of the Spirit. It's the character of God that He wants us to cultivate in our lives by the work of the Spirit, by the power of the Spirit, which, which again is key. Galatians 5. 22 and 25. And many of you, uh, 22 to 25, many of you know this well. The fruit of the Spirit is love. There's nine of them that are listed here. Not a comprehensive list, of course, but it's a a great list. Uh, It's a a list that will take us a lifetime to to cultivate, I'm I'm sure. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Great passage there. We we know the little phrase, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Now, don't make this analogy walk on all fours because that's probably uh you know a little overstated for an apple. I mean that's a that's a lot of pressure on on the apple. But the essence of that of that phrase is basically that something good like fruit can make a positive difference. Well, that's the picture that the New Testament writer Paul uses here. That the growth of the fruit of the spirit in our lives can can work against the otherwise negative qualities and does work against the otherwise negative qualities that sometimes too easily grow on the branches of our life. The fruit of the Spirit. Could it be that we sometimes focus so much on fighting temptation that the the, the, the cultivation of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives gets very little focus or, or, or little prayer attention? I mean, fighting temptation obviously, need to do it, but a focus, prayerfully, on cultivating, on surrendering, on asking God for help, to cultivate His character in us, from here, genuinely rooted in our hearts by the Spirit. I mean, that's worth thinking about. Just before we look briefly at the nine character qualities that Paul calls, again, the fruit of the Spirit, I want to mention three things that should not be confused with growth in Christ-like character or godliness. And those two terms can be used interchangeably, and they are in in scripture. First, don't confuse intellectual growth with growth in godliness. In fact, intellectual growth, even if it's biblical things, apart from growth in Christ-like character can be a dangerous slide toward pride. Secondly, don't confuse emotionalism with growth in godliness. Emotion, authentic emotion is God-given, but a big helping of emotion is not the gauge of one's maturity in godly character. And we've probably all seen examples of that. Thirdly, don't confuse the gifts of the Spirit with growth in godliness. All you got to do is, is read the, the New Testament letter of 1 Corinthians on this one. Rather, our growth in Christ-like character or godliness is measured by the, by the consistency of the fruit of the Spirit being evidenced in and through our lives. Fruit, again, is a simple metaphor for evidence that our character is growing and, and, and that we're becoming increasingly. Yeah, sometimes it's two or three steps forward and one or two backwards, and what, but, but that we are increasingly becoming. Like... Jesus in the way we think, speak, and act. Let's look at these individually really quickly. The fruit of love that I allow and that I invite the Holy Spirit to grow in me makes me care about people like Jesus did. The fruit of the love of Christ in my life shows itself positively in in my interaction with people, whether they're Someone I know personally, or or just someone who serves me my coffee, or someone who can offer me nothing at all, or someone that frustrates me and, and lives in the same house as me. Yep, I'm talking about your little brother. I was one of those years ago. <laughs> um, or, or, you know, whether, whether someone is kind and generous to me, or rude and obnoxious to me, I become a, a walking example of... The definition, the great definition of love in the several verses there in 1 Corinthians 13. Read it. If you've been to a wedding, you've probably heard those words. Fruit of love. Then the fruit of joy. helps my state of mind and, and, and my attitude so I can actually live joyfully. And briefly, the differentiation between happiness and joy. Happiness is contingent, dependent upon circumstances. Joy, just, it's hard to explain, but it just, it's there. It's a settled contentment, a living joyfully above whatever challenging circumstances might otherwise bring me down. And that's a, that's a, that's a fruit of the Spirit, joy in our hearts and minds, living in, in joy, with joy. And then the fruit of peace is a supernatural uh, tranquility of heart and mind that settles deeply there and, and, and is the result really of our, of our confidence that our lives, our times, our current situations are in the hands of our all-loving, all-wise, all-loving God, all-powerful God. And, and believe me, I... <laughs> I've had uh, spiritual wrestling in this area uh, this week in in, in how things have unfolded in our our church recently. Uh, The peace of God, I want it. I see evidence here and there of growth in that. Um, Holy Spirit, do your work in these things fruit of peace. The fruit of patience. And the original word here is not so much about handling the circumstances in our lives, although it includes that, but actually it's more about patience with people. (laughs) Most of you are well aware that this character quality of patience is often needed greatly when we're dealing with people, when we're interacting with people. Sometimes that patience is needed by others when interacting with me, you know, right? Uh, the, the fruit of patience when dealing with people. God worked that in us. Uh, the fruit of kindness that causes us to behave toward others and, uh, or, uh, toward others as, as God has acted toward us in great kindness, shown mostly to us through, through Christ on the cross, of course, and, and, and throughout our daily lives as well. The fruit of goodness makes the believer willing to help others in need. There are people of whom you've probably said they have a good heart. Now, that can be an overused and a misunderstood statement, but if it's the fruit, the evidence of the work of the Spirit kind of goodness, then that heart will display loving action by deeds of goodness toward others. Fruit of the Spirit is goodness, character of goodness. Something good about that word. I like it. Then the fruit of of faithfulness. This is a reference to someone on whom others can truly rely. They're trustworthy people. Their word means something. Yep, that quality is evidence of the Spirit's work in someone's life faithful person. That's what I want to be. I'm sure you do as well. And then the fruit of gentleness makes the apprentice of Jesus respond uh, in, in conversations and in interactions with people, not in, not in sharpness or, or, or not with a, an edgy tone, but gently and, and courteously. People who, who have a gentleness about them can get along with difficult people. That still doesn't make it fun, <laughs> to, to interact with difficult people, but, but they can, they can, they're able to do so in a, in a Christ-honoring way. And, and, and that doesn't mean that the difficult person shouldn't be held you know, accountable, responsible for their actions, but that's another uh, discussion for another time, of course. Then the fruit, the ninth one and final one in this particular list, the fruit of self-control. It's kind of a catch-all phrase here for one's mastery over their sin nature. Uh, like, like the accomplished athlete that has learned to discipline his body and, and, and make it do what he wants it to do. It's the idea here. And, and that is not contr- uh, contradictory to the idea of this this whole thing being the, the work of the Spirit. Absolutely not. There's a, there's a combined Effort, there's there's an agreement, there's a commitment from our standpoint and from God's, and and thus the word self, self self self-control. Still, yes, by God's enablement and wisdom and direction, but I choose it, as we all have to do. So these character qualities are evidence, fruit, evidence of a life lived in, in the Spirit, under His direction. Um, wanting his wise, godly influence to influence how, as, as we said already, how I live, act, think, speak, react. Spirit of God, may I reflect you in all of that. And again, fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of our efforts grit my teeth, you know, and, uh, you know, again, though, as we've said, our, our commitment to this process is still an important part of the equation, but, um, uh, sometimes we, we can, in our humanness, forget the spirit's role and submitting to him and just, yeah, I can do this. I'm a strong person. I can, well, again, it's a combination, uh, our commitment and the spirit's enablement. Um, we, we see this in the very next verse. Paul reminds us about who it is who will see these uh, characteristics develop in their lives. Verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. We have to view our old sinful nature as, again, we said it already, but as crucified with Christ if God's life and character is to be formed in us. Again, memorize Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me and, and, and through me. To successfully resist the flesh, the old sinful nature, is. that old nature has to be, as it were, nailed to the cross and, and, and rendered dead. And some great Uh, reading in in Romans 6 and 7 about that, and in that passage of Romans 6, the Apostle Paul writes uh, this similar message in in verses 6 and 7 of Romans 6, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. So it's, it's, it's the crucifixion of my sinful nature freed then to grow in the character of Christ. So, as we land this plane, what is a disciple? For this specific message, uh, a a most concise way to say it in in New Testament terms is an expression uh, in in a little verse near the end of the New Testament in 1 John 2, verse 6. Whoever claims to live in him in relationship with Jesus of course whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did again concise statement but that's a big deal that's challenging as we've as we've talked about but nonetheless that's there if you claim to be a Christ follower then you'll be someone who cares a lot about aligning your character, your actions, your speech with the character, actions, and speak, the speech that, that Jesus displayed for us when he was on earth. But as, as we've already heard from God's word, we can't do this on our own. We, we can't. The role of the Holy Spirit and surrendering to him moment by moment is, is, is absolutely paramount, which is the, 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 the trusting and, and the abiding part of the equation like Pastor Joel referred to. Again, read John 15 on that. And, and let me remind you, just kind of as a side uh, thought here, that the Holy Spirit is not some inanimate force floating around out there. No. Listen, the Holy Spirit is not an it. I sometimes hear people refer to uh, the Holy Spirit as an, as an it. He is not an it. He is the per- third person of the triune God, who dwells within us, who are Christ followers, to to empower us, to guide us, to strengthen us, to illuminate truth to us, and to help us grow in the character of Jesus in our lives. Jesus, just before he, after his mission on earth was done, that we read about in the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the very next book of the New Testament is the book of Acts. And it's a historical record written by a doctor and a historian, Luke. He was a physician and and a a historian who cared uh, deeply about about, uh, accuracy. And he recorded Some of the last words of Jesus that Jesus spoke to his disciples that includes us today before he ascended miraculously, supernaturally back to the Father so that he would send the Holy Spirit for all of this work that God still wanted to do in and through the lives of his followers. As a matter of fact, Jesus said that would be advantageous for the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit dwells within us, is with us all the time. Where Jesus, God in the person of human flesh could only be in one location as a human being at one time. Um, but in Acts 1.8, these words of Jesus that I referred to are, are this. You will receive power. He's looking his disciples in the eye and they know Jesus is, is leaving them and, and uh, they're, they're concerned. How are we going to continue to follow you and live for you and, and, and do what you called us to do? You will, Jesus said, you will receive power. The, the Greek word is the word from which we get dynamite actually there. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be witnesses for me in your world. Being a witness obviously involves verbally explaining the gospel, and there's a message in this series about that uh, later in March, but it also must involve, as we've talked about today, living a Christ-like life in our character. The Holy Spirit longs to help us become more like Jesus in how we live, speak, think, act. And and for the disciple of Jesus, this is important because we said this earlier, that that honors God and inspires others to look God's direction. It's a great one-two punch there. (laughs) So, I ask you today, what of these nine characteristics, Galatians 5, 22 to 25, of these nine fruit of the work of the Spirit, evidence of the work of the Spirit in your life, in my life to become more like Jesus, what of these nine character traits, which one do you think the Holy Spirit might want you to focus on, to grow in? and be, be more focused. Yes, there, there's always going to be room for growth in, in several or all of these character traits in our lives. But, but in these prayer and commitment moments, I'm, I'm simply asking you to focus on one, to focus on one, that you would say, Heavenly Father, I, I, I want your help specifically in this area. Maybe it's over this next month, or three months, or six months to really cultivate the habit of, uh, of this character quality. I surrender this part of my character to you. Please, uh, God, and by your spirit, uh, continue to shape me into the image of your son in this area in, with this quality. And I'm gonna review them. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I want you to pause just for a moment. Which one of these would you say, God, help me here with this one? I want to reflect your love. God, I need to to live more in, in, in the joy of God. The joy of the Lord is my strength, as the Bible says. God, I need I need you to deposit your peace. I want to live in that. I want that character quality of of peace to, to, to show and be a testimony of your power through my life. Whatever it is, I want you to pick one. And as I pray, you're giving that to God. You're asking God for the Spirit of God to work in and through you in this area. Lord, we give you this now. We give you this character trait. We give you our hearts. We give you our minds. By your spirit, we humbly ask you to work as you want to in our character for your glory and for the witness of our lives to Jesus Christ and to his power, grace, and love for this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe you've never trusted Christ. You've never come to the place of of recognizing that Jesus wants to be the forgiver of your sin because it's that that keeps you eternally from a relationship with God and the leader of your life. He loves you most and knows you best. Why, Why wouldn't you surrender to him? What's keeping you from surrendering to him? I say, God, thank you, Father, for sending your son. Jesus, thank you for coming willingly to die for me and taking upon yourself the penalty of sin that belonged to me. But thank you, Jesus. I surrender to you. I give my life to you. I turn from my old way. I, I repent of my sin. I want to follow you. Help me to do that. And in that moment, in this moment, if you just express that in your, in, in your heart and, and, and with your lips, the, the Bible talks about that, you're in the family of God. And that's a, a powerful and instantaneous thing you did that, we, we would love to know. We, we want to be able to help you and uh, walk alongside you. And ha- as you put down roots in your relationship with Christ, you can scan the QR code there, and that'll bring up a, uh, a response form just to let us know that you did that today. That would be so awesome. Thanks for taking time to engage. May you sense God's work in your life as he knows it needs to happen. Surrender to that. God bless you.